1: Walking the Path with the Buddha. This is our group learning program where we study the words of the Buddha going through this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. This is Volume 1 of the book series, and we're in Chapter 2 now. Every Sunday, we cover a a chapter in this book, and we progress through the book week by week. So if you have a version of this book that you've either downloaded from our website, buddhadailywisdom.com, or you've taken that file and go print it, or you've ordered a copy off of Amazon, you can be reading these chapters before class and or after class and progress through this program where you build up this foundation and understanding the path to enlightenment based on the teachings of the Buddha. Today in chapter two, we're exploring why study Gautama Buddha's teachings. This chapter I wrote in order to help students decide right at the beginning and start to kind of reflect on why is it that they're actually choosing to study the Buddhist teachings? Because starting with chapter three and beyond, we really get into the Buddhist teachings quite deeply. So the first chapter that we discussed last week is kind of like a bridge to help students move from any other traditions that they're currently studying or whatever it is that led them to this point and kind of help them see that it's very possible to move from those traditions into learning the Buddhist teachings and add those into what you currently understand about the various traditions that exist in the world, this particular chapter is designed to help you understand why would somebody even be interested or willing to study Gautama Buddha's teachings. And if you've read the book, chapter two, then you understand my thoughts on this topic and I shared those in the actual book. But in order to continue in this program and the way that I've kind of structured it is to use this particular week in order to have a group discussion where we can come together and get to know each other and talk and understand a little bit about each other. Because now we're six weeks into the restart of this group learning program. And it's a great time now that we've been studying pretty deeply over the last five or six weeks to now just kind of sit back and maybe talk a little bit with each other, start to understand why is it that you've chosen to study the teachings of the Buddha. And as I mentioned, if you've read this chapter, then you understand what I feel and what I've shared in this particular topic. But rather than me teach you why I feel it's important to study Gautama Buddha's teachings, instead, I would like to open up a discussion where we can all have dialogue and understanding about Why is it that you've chosen to actually study the Buddhist teachings? So what we're going to do is just open things up in Zoom, where anybody who's in Zoom can raise your hand electronically and share your thoughts on why it is that you've decided to study Gautama Buddhist teachings. And if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, you can put those comments into the comment section and our moderators will be able to share that during the class. But also if you're in Facebook or Zoom, or I'm sorry, if you're in Facebook or YouTube and you typically don't come into Zoom, you're welcome to log in because there's login information in the description of the Facebook video that you're watching now, the live stream, and the live stream in YouTube. You should be able to see the login credentials to be able to get into Zoom. That way we can get a chance to interact more readily throughout our discussion. So what I'll do is just kind of open things up to all of you guys to share what it is that has brought you to decide to learn and practice the Buddhist teachings.
2: Well, hello teacher and uh, hello everyone. Well, uh, from my experience, I started to study and learn the teachings a few years ago. And uh, during these years, I was able to see that uh, these teachings worked. I mean, uh, they are, uh, they helps to eliminate discontentedness in the mind. They are able to help one to uh, get rid of some painful feelings, which uh, I think many people who live in the world now think that this is natural or normal part of the human existence, living with the uh, stress, living with anxiety, living with the. Uh, Uh, fears, uh, anger, a lot of painful feelings. Uh, I think many, many people think that this is normal normal part of the human existence and there is no way to get rid of all of these uh, painful feelings. Not only on the mental uh, side, I I don't have a good uh, medical background, but uh, I can see that there were some improvements uh, on the bodily side i mean uh, things related to the blood uh, blood pressure uh, i i always had a lot of repeated headaches which i don't have i can say at all uh, these few days uh, i'm sorry this few years so uh, there is a lot of benefits on the mental state and on the bodily uh, side as well uh, I think that living in this world while having the wisdom of these teachings will be a, a wonderful bonus. A, living in this world without the wisdom of these teachings a, made me or led me to face a lot of difficulties and troubles in my life, which most of them, the vast majority of them, I don't have now. I, uh, I was able also to observe that with practicing these teachings, one is able to be a better person, a better friend, uh, and I'm sure this will also help one to be a better uh, parent or a better a uh, life partner also. Uh, knowing why one is facing the troubles and problems in life leads one to be able to eliminate the causes and reasons for these troubles and be able to go forward life uh, without these repeated troubles and difficulties. A, um, a, a good way to, to increase that space of peace and uh, serenity in the mind is also one of the great benefits i had while practicing these teachings so uh, uh, for sure uh, if teachings are offered for anyone and everyone freely with no cost teachings that will help anyone to progress to a better life and a better existence so why not take the step and start practicing these teachings So, uh, I'm really grateful for the day I decided to start learning the teachings.
1: How long have you been learning now, Bassem? Um,
2: About uh, three years. Uh, The first year it was only reading the book. Uh, I mean, uh, there wasn't a lot of seeking guidance with you. Maybe the first six, seven, eight or ten months. But uh, since then, I noticed that it's really helpful to seek guidance. So uh, the first year maybe was was without a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm.
1: What were you doing in the first year that's different than what you're doing now?
2: uh, In the first year, my goal was to check the teachings to see if they really work or not. Uh, I'm I'm going to uh, dedicate time and effort to uh, study and practice teach uh, some teachings so i needed to be sure that these teachings will really help me to progress to a better life
1: okay and you've been noticing all those benefits that you mentioned in the last three years
2: more more than this what i have mentioned
1: (laughs) oh okay so it's these benefits and more that you've experienced in the last three years yeah so elimination of headaches more calmness, more stability in the mind, better decision-making, more concentration.
2: And a lot of uh, benefits uh, regarding uh, concentration and uh, fears. I had a lot of troubles with the fears and concentration. I can say that I till now, I haven't seen anyone in my life who had uh, this amount of fears Uh, almost from everything and anything, and also concentration. I can remember that uh, while studying at university, uh, uh, I didn't attend the lectures because I didn't have the ability to focus for three, four, five minutes. So I didn't go to university for three or four years.
1: (laughs) So how long can you focus now?
2: I can observe times when this mind was able to focus for more than eight, uh,
1: nine hours. Oh, great. So you went from not even being able to focus for three to five minutes to eight or nine hours now in in three years. So what do you think out of the uh, three years of study, what do you think has been most impactful? And what would you share with somebody who is maybe just starting out on the path? What was it that you learned kind of early on that really helped you move in this direction?
2: Well, uh, uh, what I did at the beginning was to check these teachings and be sure that they really work, uh, which was something I didn't use to before. I mean, in other traditions, the way of practicing teachings was uh, totally based on belief so this wasn't the case here I was able to see the benefits and results by myself and be sure that since there are some benefits in this short time so all what I need to do is just to continue learning seeking guidance and practicing the teachings and for sure the whole rest of these painful feelings and difficulties in life will be totally eliminated I can see also that uh, practicing generosity was something was really helpful uh, and it had a lot of a uh, uh, positive impact on my
1: practice you say that you investigated the teachings and you looked to see if they were actually true how did you do that
2: well a learning these teachings and then spending some time, maybe daily, maybe weekly, to reflect on these teachings, to see that they really make sense. Then starting to practice them while having awareness of mind and seeing uh, how the the mind functions in these situations previously, or I mean prior to learning these teachings and practicing them, and how differently the mind is functioning now in the similar uh, situations. This was a good chance to see the benefits and the uh, progress that the mind is gaining day after day.
1: So with these results that you've experienced, how important has meditation been to help you experience those results?
2: I, um, I wasn't able to observe significant improvements before I started Practicing meditation, a uh, mindful uh, meditation, uh, three times a day. Uh, uh, this was a tipping point. I think this is what's called a tipping point before and after. So the mind had more uh, um, concentration and focus after starting to dedicate three sessions uh, every day for meditation.
1: From the time that you started learning and practicing until the time that you started doing three sessions per day, how long of a time did it take you to build up to three sessions per day?
2: At first, I was kind of lazy because I didn't see uh, the benefits, but uh, maybe after two months, I noticed how, uh, how successful are this practice, I mean meditation. So, uh, right away, I dedicated uh, two sessions a day for about uh, 20 minutes each session. And after maybe two more months, I started to dedicate three sessions for uh, 30 minutes uh, each uh, session.
1: And how do you balance between breathing mindfulness meditation and loving-kindness meditation? Are you doing both? And if so, what's kind of like the amount that you do breathing mindfulness versus loving-kindness meditation?
2: Well, I can remember since I was a child, I, there wasn't a, a lot of hatred towards people. So a uh, my practice for loving-kindness meditation, I mean even anger. So my practice for uh, uh, loving-kindness meditation, um, we can say that it's maybe once a day for uh, six seven months and then whenever i observe that that there is a situation that arises even a slight anger in the mind i uh, dedicate one two or more sessions towards this uh, specific person whom i had uh, anger towards so there isn't a kind of uh, consistent average or uh, a consistent uh, practice for loving kindness but whenever it's needed, I practice it.
1: Has learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings had any impact to your personal or professional relationships and your career?
2: Mm, yes. Yes. Working as a teacher uh, is not something it's easy. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, talking to a lot of people was something that uh, uh, caused, or my my cravings uh, for not being among a lot of people caused me uh, a lot of fears. I would say that even uh, being here in uh, a class, uh, in a live class, it wasn't something I have imagined someday that I would be able to do. So uh, there was a lot of fears to stand in front of some teachers or even some students in the beginning of my uh, career. So this helped to eliminate uh, a lot of cravings. I'm not sure about this expression, but maybe it uh, helped to gain some more confidence or maybe people call it as self-confidence. So even professional careers, uh, personal careers, um, it had a positive impact and still, has a positive impact on all relationships.
1: So you live in Egypt, which is predominantly a Muslim country. Um, What is it like learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings in a country that I imagine aren't very many people that are interested in Buddhism or maybe practicing Buddhism right now? What's it like for you there?
2: Well, for the part about uh, moral conduct, I see a lot of... uh, Similarity between what uh, Gautama Buddha taught and what is pe- what people are practicing uh, uh, in the regard of Muslim teachings, uh, it's really a challenge. Yeah, I would confess it's really a challenge. But uh, with these difficulties, one is uh, one has a chance to deeply practice the teachings. This is the only way I have. I mean, either to live with all these uh, painful feelings and all of these difficulties in life, or to go in this uh, path and uh, things will only get better and better. So uh, I didn't uh, go I didn't go outside Egypt before, but uh, I can surely say that uh, practicing these teachings in any way or any time, it's not easy, but it's uh, the perfect way. To live this life.
1: Okay. And what has been the most difficult for you in learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings so far?
2: You mean about the discontentedness I have or the teachings themselves?
1: The teachings themselves. And what part of building up your practice has been the most difficult for you so far?
2: Ego. (laughs) Eliminating ego.
1: Okay. And what part of the Buddhist teachings have you found that aren't true? None. So everything you've learned so far, you've found that has been true?
2: Because I practiced them myself and I have seen and still seeing uh, every day that they are the truth.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks, teacher. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, is there anyone else who would like to share? You know, why they have decided to study Gotama Buddhist teachings, either in Zoom or Facebook or YouTube? Uh, you can share. And anybody has questions for Bosom, you can ask Bossom questions as well. We can have a open discussion to talk with each other. Perhaps there are certain questions that you guys have always been interested to ask Bossom, You're welcome to do that as well.
2: Well, for now, it seems that Nick has his hand raised him. That's Let's go to him.
3: Thank you, Basim. Hello, Teacher David. <clears throat> I remember the uh, the last iteration. We we did this, Chapter 2, and um, I spoke a pretty lengthy part on, on why I started studying the Buddhist teachings. But I think today, um, what's more important uh, would be to why I keep studying Gautama Buddha's teachings and and why I keep studying with a teacher. I started like uh, most people, you know, just discontentedness. So, But the reason I'm sticking with it is because of the benefits. Um, Right away, I could tell you when I established right view, that's when some bad habits just fell right off um uh, you know i don't uh, drink alcohol i'm not using the vape don't smoke cigarettes don't don't chew tobacco i don't do these harmful things to the body anymore and that's because cravings have been significantly reduced and that's just by establishing right view and to establish right view the first layer would be to understand the Four Noble Truths, the Three Universal Truths, and, and a general idea of the natural law of karma. Everything's cause and effect. You know, don't go around blaming others. Everything is the result of your own decisions. I think, you know, with that, when someone can grasp that, um, you know, based on my experience, you're making some headway. So bad habits just stopped, and when 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 that stopped, like you know, no no alcohol, you know, I have more clarity of your mind, you know, I'm feeling healthier. I'm just feeling feeling good. The difference has has been from like being off the path and then starting the path and establishing right view. Uh, the difference has been night and day. Uh, I've never felt better in my entire life. Um, relationships that are around me are, are all better and there's no trouble no not much difficulty under the guidance of having a teacher with with these these uh, teachings and, and, and this study has been significantly helpful You know, you can read, like, these teachings and and try to grasp them, but then when you put them into practice in in everyday worldly situations, you know, it's difficult. So whenever I'm having trouble, I set up a Zoom or or a private message to to Teacher David, and we go over things, uh, certain things that um, would take years to master, you know, or years to figure out on your own, if at all. But with uh, the guidance of Teacher David, it's very easy, it's seamless. The difficulties I I, I struggled with beginning on the path was how to navigate an ex-spouse, how to go around, how to navigate some cravings, things like this. So, Teacher David, he taught me how to skillfully kind of walk around the landmines to get to the goal and the strategies that that i learned and have employed have been beautiful i don't have any issues with the ex-spouse i haven't in a long time so everything's going well so discontentedness i i've known has been significantly reduced and some of these things are just so simple but yet so difficult at the same time to significantly reduce, you know, the un- unwholesome karma production would just be to follow the five precepts. Right, that's simple enough to understand, but actually doing it, you know, can be can be difficult. Um, but the reasons I'm continuing to go is because I've noticed the condition of my mind has improved, and it keeps improving. So there's there's more to go. I, I often compare this path to enlightenment much like um, a journey on martial arts. I, I practice jujitsu and it's very, very similar. I've noticed both are slow, gradual progress. Slow, gradual progress. You can't rush to anything. You know, you're not going to be a black belt on the mats in, in a day. The same thing with this path to enlightenment. Things I've learned, I know that the mind goes through four jhanas before entering the four stages of enlightenment. So I don't know if this is right or whatever, but I often think of that as much like the progress on martial arts, you know, belts and stripes almost. You know, um, it's just how I think of it, you know? And it lets let's me know that, oh. progress is slow and gradual. That's how you become good at anything. So I've always been a trainer or or I've always been training in athletics, you know, different sports, different things like this, military. So I've trained the body a lot. But this, I found the Buddha, he left like a a blueprint of how to train your mind. And uh, I've never encountered anything like it, but it's much... It's much like training anything else. You know, it's going to take dedication, determination and diligence as teacher David says, and uh, that's, that's the truth right there. So that's how I see it. And that's what I uh, was interested to share today.
1: Thank you, Nick. How long have you been learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings?
3: Well. I'll tell you in, in 2017, I, I hit rock bottom, you know, I, I went into a deep depression after that. Um, so I started around 2019, I would say I started, um, tinkering around with spirituality a little bit, but then in 2020, that's when I picked up the, the Buddhist teachings. I first started saw them by following spiritual things. I started seeing like the, the memes and things. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So I started investigating that more. And then um, I found you, Teacher David, and and your Facebook group and and all the resources. And that has proven to me to be a very valuable source, like everything that a practitioner can need, uh, you provide. So I haven't really had to shop around anywhere else, and nor have I seen anyone explain these things as well as I'm being taught now. So um, I'm here to stay here for the long run because I see it works. But to answer your question, let's see, I've been doing this about two years now, two years now um, studying the true teachings.
1: You mentioned about uh, how in the past you had some challenges in relationships and now it's not that way anymore. Is it possible for you to share some examples of some things that you struggled with in the past in relationships and how it's different now and what it took for you to go from where you were before to where you are now?
3: Sure, I think I can answer that. Well, what took me to go from where I was to now, I would definitely say meditation has been key um, establishing the four foundations of mindfulness. The first one, the bodily sensations. When you have awareness of of, of that, you're able to cut things off and let them go easier. Um, you cannot do that just by talking about it or or being being told, "Hey, this is what it is." You actually have to do it. And, and again, that's something else that's just like martial arts. You got to actually get on the mat and do it. You know, so meditation, you actually got to get on the floor, get in a chair and and do it or lay down, walk, you know, the different ways you can do it. Um, But that's what you have to do. So it's different, uh, you know, reading about it or talking about it compared to actually doing it. So once you actually do it, that will give anyone the ability to slow down practice the pause, things like that. So meditation is key for that. Um, the other thing is that I needed to be able to navigate someone such as the ex-spouse would be some of the moral conduct things on the Eightfold Path. For example, right speech. Using the five factors of well-spoken speech, you know, it's like the Buddhist says, your speech, you know, should be blameless by using, it's going to be blameless by using those five factors and it's beyond reproach by the wise. So having blameless speech, some patience for meditation and, uh, some skills under the guidance of a, of a teacher on how to actually do it. You know, for example, what worked for me was, Hey, you know, tell your ex spouse that you want to have a discussion okay instead of just going into it and passing because for someone off the path their craving might spike right up you know especially with someone with history so instead of just going right into the conversation uh now i i kind of schedule an event it's the first thing in the five factors of well-spoken speech is proper time so if someone's off the path you know and you just start a discussion with them right away and they have a lot of craving their craving is going to spike that's not a proper time to have a conversation with someone like that Um, because without uh, skills if someone's craving goes up uh, your own craving anger ignorance might go up so that makes it more difficult when someone's animated to stick to your teachings. So that's one of the ways I do it, I, I kind of set, you know, schedule something, let the person know, hey, this is the topic I'd like to discuss, let their craving go up, let it come down, wait a couple days, go in and again, let their craving go up, whatever it is, whatever we're discussing, let their craving go up and say, hey, we don't have to make a decision. You know, why don't I give you a call? next week or something, let the craving come down and then you can finally finish the conversation. So something that, you know, I would just expect before I was off the path, just boom, have one conversation, get it done, you know, let's have a definitive answer. You know, that doesn't work. That doesn't work, especially with someone like an ex-spouse in my experience. So. What I've learned from you, Teacher David, is to kind of, even though it's it's one conversation that, you know, we're trying to figure out, I kind of slowly got to trickle in, like slowly. It might take a, a week or two to uh, finish a conversation. And that's how I've been like navigating things without difficulty. Five factors of well-spoken speech, meditation, and basically That strategy.
1: So you're kind of restraining your own craving of wanting to go in and have a conversation and convince somebody of your idea and get an answer right away. You're restraining that and you're saying, hey, ex wife, I would like to have a conversation about X. You know, maybe you can think about that and we can get together in a few days or next week and talk about this. And then you kind of spread it out over multiple conversations as a way to allow her mind to kind of adjust to what it is that you would like to talk about. Is that is that what you're saying? That's exactly right.
3: You know, before I was off the path, you know, I had my own expectations to have the conversation done right then and there, right away. And then I'm wondering, well, I think this is a reasonable thing. You know, like, why, why can't it be done now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... What I think is reasonable might not be to someone else, you know, based on their experiences or or their perceptions or what have you.
1: Right, because in these situations, our mind has done all the thinking and all the reflection and we did that over multiple days and we've come to some conclusion. And then because of one's own craving, we want to get this other person on board with it. And we kind of have this expectation that in one conversation, they're going to go from not having any conversation on this topic at all to, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And because of our own craving, we're expecting that person within a 15 or 30 minute conversation to go from zero to 100. And then it blows up in our face and we're like, what just happened? You know, this is such a great idea, but we don't realize that we actually spent you know multiple days reflecting on that and figuring that out and by us giving that other person the time to do that same process of coming to understand what it is that we understand this is a practice of loving kindness and compassion as well as using those five factors of well-spoken speech you talked about uh, that can really help you to eliminate or reduce any kind of conflict Because you're allowing that person's mind to gradually adjust. Because their mind doesn't understand impermanence. Their mind isn't practicing. So you giving them that time to adjust, it's working for you, right?
3: That's exactly right. That's how I think about it. I I need to allow the other person time to process it. Mm -hmm. That's how I think about it.
1: Very good. And based on everything that you needed to do over building up your practice over the last two years, what advice would you give to some new students who are maybe just starting out or even people who are on the path, but they're just not experiencing certain results? What advice would you give them in order to help them either start their journey and get moving on the path or somebody who's been on the path but hasn't really seen results?
3: then i would say just stick it out and go with it you know same thing i same thing i would tell a white belt that came into the gym you know you got to you got to actually do it to get better but the thing is just like in jiu jitsu the path to enlightenment i think is very similar in in martial arts and jiu jitsu you're going to get good just by showing up it doesn't matter how athletic you are or or what have you if you go to the class and do it, you're, you're gonna make progress. You're gonna get good. You can't not get good at jujitsu if you show up. And I think this is very similar. You know, you might not pick up everything right away, but if you just come to class, you read the book, you do it like uh, you say, teacher David, you know, like a, like an IB drip, just trickle these teachings in a little bit at a time. You know, don't try to rush it. And you're gonna, you're gonna grasp these teachings. it's it's the same thing as jujitsu. It's very similar. Like I said, you're going to just by, just by coming, you're going to get good at it. Now, something else I'd like to share with like someone just starting out on the path. A lot of people struggle with meditation. And I think that's because the unenlightened mind comes up with excuses Of like, ah, no, let's do the dishes instead. Oh, wait, you got to go do that. That's what the unenlightened mind does. It's very tricky and it's subtle. So I noticed at least when I was first starting out, you know, I'm like, all right, I got to go meditate. You know, that's what I I would think. But then the mind would come up with, you know, a dozen different reasons of of why not to. Oh, let's do this instead. Oh, wait, we got to get that done. Whatever it is. So... For, for my practice, what I've done is I look at it like I look at meditation like brushing your teeth. Brushing my teeth is one of the first things I do in the morning when I wake up. And it's one of the last things I do before I go to bed. So I just kind of slid meditation into that routine. So right when I wake up, it's the first thing I do. You know, besides maybe empty, empty in the bladder. You know, because you don't want to sit there in meditation having to go to the bathroom. You know, that's you know something you would make you more. You want to make yourself comfortable for meditation. So, one of the first things I do is meditate right when I wake up, and it's the last thing I do before I go to bed, just like brushing my teeth. That's how I think about it. And if there's time in the middle of the day, like if I don't have my son that day. Uh, I can usually get a third meditation in, in the middle of the day. So that meets the criteria or the suggestion that you have for everyone. Meditate two to three times a day for at least 30 minutes or more per session.
1: Over what period of time would you say that you've been doing that, about two sessions or three sessions? Has it been three months? Has it been six months? What amount of time uh, has it been in... Where did you start noticing benefits?
3: Okay. Well, in 2019 I started meditating, but I had like the music on and I was doing it just once in a while. You know, maybe I was working up to maybe once a day for 10 minutes or something, 15 minutes. That was 2019. I had the mantras going, meditation music, the YouTube station on, what you know, what have you. But then one of our first Zoom sessions I had with you in 2020 somewhere. Um, you know, I started, uh, I, I asked you about meditation or it came out in our discussion. That, you know, I have the music on or, or the, the soul frequencies, you know, that sort of thing. And then you said to me, "You said, Nick, you know, the Buddha just meditated with three things. That's all you need. The mind, body, and the breath. So you got to let that go. So, I did. Right when you said, you know, to do that, you know, I kind of scratched my head and I'm like, "Eh, I don't know about that, but I tried it without it. And it's been great ever since. So I've been doing that the right way for almost two years now. So we're in 2022, so maybe two years, up to two years.
1: So you've been meditating pretty consistently twice a day for close to two years.
3: I would say so. Yes, sir.
1: And at what point did you start noticing benefits?
3: Oh, uh, pretty much right away. Pretty much right away. You know, um, things that uh, used to upset me wouldn't upset me anymore. I noticed that right away. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I, I should keep doing it. But um, I stuck with meditation because the, the mind and it went through strange things. And I, th- I kind of thought they were cool. You know when it happened, you know, like my head feeling like it was expanding, or or like something was pulling up my my my, my you know the brain through through like the sky, just like different sensations, and I think that was the mind um, you know making its changes, mm-hmm. uh, different visuals. So it was all it was all a very cool experience.
1: Very nice. Well, thank you for sharing, I appreciate that. Does anybody have any questions for Nick or would anybody else like to share?
2: Yes, sir, I think I have a question for Nick. Well, uh, Nick, uh, first, uh, thank you for sharing your experience. Uh, as you know, I'm single, so I'm curious to ask you about uh, whether, uh, I mean, do, do you have challenges? Do you find it challenging to practice these teachings in a family that does not practice the teachings? If your family
3: doesn't practice, these teachings? Um, I would say at first, my first, probably I did, you know, when I first found these, these teachings, you know, I wanted everybody to, you know, come see these teachings, like standing on a mountaintop, Hey, come on up here look at this. Look at that down, you know, these sorts of things, you know, um, everybody tried to share with everybody. Cause I was like, wow. You know, these, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. You know, I finally get some relief or this is it. I've been, you know, the, the, the questions of, you know, men for thousands of years or however long, you know, uh, men and women, you know, everybody, but with time, I kind of gave up that, the, the craving, or as the Buddha says it, the the craving and worry for the world, you know, um, I kind of look at everybody as they're all on the path, you know. Um, But, you know, whether they're active or not, that's a different story. Where I think we're all on the path to enlightenment. And um, I kind of learned to do as teacher David taught me in Thai, the the phrases barami, which is kind of like lead by example. You know people see you doing so well and then they start to be like hey what's that nicks doing over there you know they start copying you and that's how you know you can kind of spread your light um by doing and 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 just showing and and living like the right way you know people will kind of mimic that so instead of me trying to like force other people to do it i I just kind of look at it like that leading by example and you know, let them see how well things are going for you and then, you know, the latch on. So for me, I just do the practice in front of everybody and and I think they get benefits too. So they, whether they know it or not, they've incorporated some of these teachings in, the, in their lives. Um, I know they, the kids found the universal truth of impermanence to be extremely helpful. So I kind of like share things like that with them, you know, the natural law of karma and impermanence. They verify those things are true. So that like little things like that, even though they're not studying with the book open or whatever, they know a little bit, they get a little bit rubs off on them. So I would say at first it was very difficult, but uh, for me, my family is extremely supportive, you know, So, uh, it hasn't been too difficult.
1: Out of everything that you've experienced so far with the Buddhist teachings, what's been the most difficult for you to learn and practice?
3: The most difficult for me, I would say would be right concentration, even though, uh, I have the ability to concentrate, you know, in a like learning setting or Um, instruction setting. I think there's different levels of it, and the restlessness piece has been the most difficult. Like, uh, the singleness of mind, that part. Um, Like, driving, the mind, you know, tends to, like, wander, or it tends to, not really wander, it tends to try to figure things out. That, that are going on in the near future or, or like oh maybe I should do this or that um, and it does that all day so I re- constantly have to pull it back you know when I catch it and I'm trying to bring it back to the middle so I can practice singleness of mind but that has been the most difficult um, it's every day uh, it seems like I have to work on it
1: very well very good alright bossam back to you
2: Yes, sir. Uh, Nick now shared or said that he felt that this is exactly what I was looking for or searching for from years and years. Is it a common experience that one, after experiencing the results of these teachings, feels that I spent many years looking for these teachings and now I have them? I mean, from my experience they were like these are exactly perfectly what uh, how things should be (laughs) so i'm not sure this is uh, something uh, i experienced or this is a common experience for practitioners
1: yeah what nick was talking about where once he finally started understanding the teachings even just a little bit and started noticing some of the improvements he wanted to go on the top of the mountaintop and scream at the top of his lungs and everybody come i've found it come on oh my goodness you know that's like a common thing that we all experience because it's like your mind takes these breaths it's like it's almost been suffocating for all these years and finally you get some air and you're like oh my goodness i found the air come over here like many people have that experience because you've got that loving kindness and compassion there And it's not yet in the middle so there's this craving to help everybody so when we discover these teachings oftentimes people want to run out and tell everybody about them and get everybody on board and then we realize over a number of months that that's not how it works and that's going to just continue to cause discontentedness for us because of our own craving so we have to temper that and bring it into the middle The other thing that can happen in addition to that, or instead of that, is someone can find out about enlightenment and start to understand what it is, peaceful, calm, serene, content mind with joy, and there can be this craving for enlightenment. So your own craving to get to enlightenment and your own craving for everyone else to get to enlightenment. These two things oftentimes go hand in hand at the very beginning when you start first understanding the teachings and you start observing some very beginning progress, that this is a very common thing that I see with practitioners who are just starting out. And it can take some time, you know, and sometimes people, you know, they might be six months into it or a year into it before that slowly subsides. But it can also sometimes be self-defeating too, where someone has so much craving for enlightenment. And in the first three months, six months, a year, they still haven't extinguished that and they want enlightenment so badly and they don't have it and every time their mind gets discontent they get discontent because they're discontent because they heard about this thing that's new to them enlightenment this peaceful calm serene content mind with joy and now they start craving it really badly and they think that you know i should be able to get it right now you know so two months three months six months into it you know they're really wanting that really badly and then every little misstep or every little discontentedness is compounded because not only are they maybe let's just make something simple let's just say they're craving a new car and they can't get that new car. So now they're angry. But now because they're angry, they know that they're not enlightened. So they get discontent because they're craving the car and they're craving enlightenment. And now they become even more discontent. And I've actually seen students that have turned away from the path because they still have this craving for enlightenment that never got extinguished. And they just get themselves so frustrated because They keep getting frustrated that they're frustrated, or they get angry because they're frustrated, or they experience boredom, so they get angry because they are still feeling boredom, and they're only three months or six months into the path, and they're expecting results to get to that enlightened mind, you know, right away, rather than realizing it's a gradual progression to enlightenment. So these are two common things: either craving your own enlightenment and or craving other people to be on the path with you. And then because people don't come onto the path with you, sometimes people give up on the path that way too because they're still attached to their spouse or their life partner or their children. And because their children or their life partner isn't getting onto the path with them, they want to do it with them. And their attachment to their family members are stronger than their own interest to continue on their own and actually experience enlightenment so these things are always you know struggling this is why I call it a log jam that you know oftentimes we have this log jam in the mind and we got to start pulling out these logs and start getting everything shifting and flowing better but sometimes that log jam is so tight people aren't willing to pull those logs out because it's very scary for them to maybe do something on their own like the path to enlightenment They're so used to doing things with their life partner or their children that they just can't commit to doing something on their own. They're too attached to other people.
2: Well, now I remember again, your question when you asked it, what were the most difficult parts of practicing these teachings? Well, I I need to add one more thing, that, that sometimes when eliminating this craving, only needs one's personal work i'm not sure how to say this (laughs) Uh, if it's only a work that i need to do alone while no one is seeing me and no one is judging me this is easier but some things or some some work one needs to do while expecting that others will be judging us in this case it was really a challenge I mean, sometimes I, uh, I, I thought that it would be easier for me to attend, let's say about this class. It was easier to uh, attend the classes on Facebook or YouTube rather than being here on Zoom sharing my camera and opening my uh, mic, I mean uh, uh, talking in front of others. It was really a challenge. Taking this step uh, it was one of the challenges I had
1: and now that you've done that what's it been like for you
2: a theoretically if there's a chance to go back and take this decision from day one of course of course i will do so
1: (laughs) so has being in zoom and being a moderator and opening up your camera helped you get over any kind of shyness or any kind of uh, fear of being judged by others or letting go of the self um, has it helped you with those things?
2: Yes. Uh, at the, the first two three months of uh, uh, assisting in these classes as a moderation, I, I used to feel pain in the heart after the uh, class is ended. I mean, <laughs> the fears were really very painful to the extent that it wasn't just a, a state of the mind or a uh, some feelings that the mind is experiencing it also affected the body and the heart (laughs) so yes it helped a lot
1: so those are those bodily sensations that the buddha talks about right as discontentness is arising you're going to experience bodily sensations so you got pain around the heart and some other pains that's telling you some things arising and it was fear right is that what was arising
2: yes exactly it was fear yeah Fear of uh, talking in front of others, fear of being judged uh, of what I'm saying, uh, uh, and other fears.
1: <laughs> so if there's somebody right now that's on Facebook or YouTube that's fearful of coming into Zoom and perhaps participating, what would your advice be to them?
2: Uh, number one, uh, uh, for sure, no one will... Uh, uh, no one will judge you. Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, you have one of two decisions to make: either to still living with this with these fears, fears, and of course these fears day after day will be more and more will grow, or you have to start to take step one, step two, step three, and so <coughs> on. The benefits by yourself. So. Just go ahead and do it now if you were able to do this.
1: (laughs) So they have to confront their fear, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. By actually doing it, you know? Go do the thing that your mind doesn't want you to do, right? That's how you eliminate the fear is confront it. Put the mind in that situation so that it can see that everything's okay.
2: Yeah. Everything is okay And uh, the fear uh, The problem wasn't when people who are attending with me Or people who are looking at me If there is me uh, But uh, the problem was my delusion in the mind Thinking that others will look at me And others will judge me Which I haven't seen in these classes ever
1: So the mind was clinging to this self-image And the self-identity Yes <laughs> ok, very good. Alright, who's next? Anybody have questions for Bossom or Nick or somebody would like to volunteer to share? Yes, yeah, that uh, since <laughs> that's Jen raising her
2: hand. Let's see if
4: Thank you, Bossom. Um, I want to start off by just telling you how much I admire you, Bossom, and also you, Nick, right? You're so kind and you're so caring when you moderate and help everyone. It, it's wonderful it's you create a wonderful space with a wonderful presence and i admire you also for um, embarking on this path when you did in your life it took me a lot longer um and i think uh you you you've made a a wise and and an amazing decision where you are in your life I'm quite a bit older than you, than you are. <laughs> I think most people here. Um, so, you know, I want to I, I want to express my appreciation of you and, and my gratitude for all that you do for us. You as well, Teacher David. It's been um, wonderful experience learning with you and the support that you offer. Um, if anybody has not yet had a Personal guidance session with Teacher David, I, I would recommend that you try it. From the very first moment I talked to you, I was so impressed with how caring you are, how non judgmental you were, um, how understanding you were, how encouraging you were, right? and it's just continued right along. Um, you know, I think I started after some very difficult experiences in my life. Um, I had open-heart surgery to repair some heart defects, and I died (laughs) and they brought me back to life. That was a life-changing experience to go through. Um, It took several years for me to recover from that. And then my father became very ill and I took care of him for a year and a half and he died. And then my mother became very ill and I took care of her for a year and she died. And so those things all happened in succession. Um, It was uh, quite a, life-changing experience to go through all of that. And uh, after things kind of settled up to my mother died, I thought I-, I need to find a serious new way to live my life. You know, when I say serious, I, I need to find a new way to um, approach my life. Okay? There's so many things that, that were stressful Frightening, confusing um, that happened, and I, I have a number of friends who are um, Thai, who are Khmer from Cambodia. So they started saying, "Okay, come with us. Come with us. We go." To, they go to the temple, Thai temple, um, and the there's Khmer temple, but it's all Thai monks. So I started regularly going to the temple with them, but I didn't understand most of what was happening. <laughs> Because it was all in Thai, or it was all in Cambodian language, Khmer, right? And I was constantly having to say, what does that mean? (laughs) What are we doing now? Right? Um, So it was really, um, I I don't know how I discovered um, daily wisdom, walking the path with the Buddha. I must have been doing a search, but I honestly don't remember what happened, right, that I, I found... The, I was like, oh, meditation class. Oh, the teacher can speak English. I should try this. So that's kind of what got me started. Um, and I think I had amazing transformation to me in a relatively short time. I only started coming to the classes in December and started meditating in December. So I don't know what, that's been, it's like a half a year, right? But um, I, I've talked to teacher David about this. My, I grew up in a family that had um, a lot of anger and a lot of interactions were based in anger, ill will, um, kind of conceit, you know, uh, and arrogance. And so I grew up with that and my family continues to express themselves that way. So. I have these sort of deep-seated habits of responding in a way as well to things when I'm uncomfortable or lash out. Um, and that seems to have evaporated. <laughs> I understand because of impermanence, it may come back, it no, you know, it no doubt will in times when I'm stressed, but um, I'll tell you a little story. So I live in Boston, Massachusetts, we're noted to be the worst drivers in the United States. Um, and people drive crazy (laughs) so when you're driving it's really common for people to cut you off uh, flip you the bird roll down the window and swear at you Um, I've had people throw cans of Coca-Cola at my car you know throw them at my windshield it's just nuts right it's very unpredictable and I used to get out of the car sometimes and I would just be like (laughs) Um, There was one day in particular where we were stuffed at a red light and a man ran up and tried to get into my car um, on the passenger side so I looked over and there behind him was a police officer pointing a gun right at me and I I went like you know down on the seat (laughs) it was shocking right but um, there's road rage and people get murdered for no reason um it doesn't happen every day but it happens so i used to get out of my car and i would just be some days i would just be like you know (laughs) kind of very difficult to go on with the day and now i am in the middle (laughs) i don't those things don't bother me i feel like um okay We're all in a stream, go around me, and it's fine. You know, we just keep going, and it's okay. Um, And I feel that way about many things that happen now, that it's just, it's okay, It's fine. I'm happy. I stay happy while it's happening. I stay happy after it's happened. It's it's such a big change for me, such a big transformation for me. I, I feel like I'm giving testimony in church or something right now, but it, it's been a really amazing change for me in my life. So, I, you know, maybe I'll stop there. That's, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you to everybody. I, I, okay, one more thing. This group is so supportive, and it's such a treat to um, work with everybody when we have class each week. So, thank you, everyone.
1: Great, Jen. What was it that? Originally brought you to the teachings of the Buddha.
4: I think it was my friends who grew up with the tradition. Um, they knew what I'd gone through, and they they were like, "You should come to the temple. The monks can help you. You know, you can learn to meditate. This will help you." Okay. And I've known them. I respect them. I've known them for a long, long time. One of my Friends was a, um, he was actually a boy soldier in the Khmer Rouge in the 1970s in Cambodia and he's now the most amazing person that I know and his family in particular. They're they're so wonderful, kind hearted. They lived through the killing fields. They were almost starved to death and they're the happiest, most loving people that I know. So, you know, knowing them, I felt a lot of confidence that Okay, if they can live through what they've gone through, and they um, are so resilient and loving, and I believe them, I'll try this too. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what started it.
1: So you've been learning now for six months, and you're already noticing improvements. It sounds like. Yes. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start noticing improvements? When you, from the time you started first learning, how long did it take before you started noticing improvements?
4: Well, the first thing was, I remember talking to you about this, I had these music soundtracks playing in my head constantly that I didn't want to be playing in my head. And after three weeks of learning to meditate, I was able to cut it off and then no more music soundtrack in my head. but it took a while for me to start feeling more, um, like not angry. I had to do a lot of loving kindness meditation. I think for a month I did that loving kindness meditation three times a day. And now I, I, do, I kind of do it once a day, I'd say. Um, it took about maybe three or four months for me to start feeling really happy.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. And does anyone else have any questions for Jan? I have some more, but I did, I thought I would open things up to other people first. Mm, not same
2: question for now, teacher. <laughs> okay.
1: So Jan, since you're fairly new and studying just you know six months, for anybody who's now just recently started, maybe in the last month or the last couple of weeks or the last two months what would you recommend for them?
4: Do the um, Wednesday meditation class, if you at all can, or watch it on video. I, I, For a while, I did the Wednesday class, and then I would watch it um, again on the video on YouTube the next evening, that, that evening, you know, and I would do that multiple times each day, because it helped me just to hear you talk us through the meditation. So um, that helped a lot, and meditating two times a day um, at first helped a lot. There was a little hump to get over, um, trying to be able to concentrate on my breath, you know, in my nose. That that took me a little while to, for that to sort of click and make sense. But keep going, keep keep doing that, and read the books little short bits, multiple times, and then it helps me to um, come to this class. And it also helps me, I take walks and I just think through things, like trying to explain things to myself to see if I'm understanding them or not or where I have a question, so that helps me a lot.
1: I know that you've just recently started doing not only the group learning program, but also the Polycanon and English study group. What's that been like doing both programs at one time?
5: I'm
4: finding it really illuminating because it, 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 it helps me to check what I'm understanding what I don't understand or where I kind of, I sort of understand this, but I don't. Reading the um, the words of the Buddha, that is really interesting. It's like extra depth. You know, you're a wonderful teacher. And then there's this sort of extra layer of it that reinforces what we've talked about and what's in the first book. And,
1: okay. And has the teachings helped you And your practice, helped you in any of your relationships, in your job or in your personal relationships?
4: Yeah, I think very much. Um, I think that my husband's wonderful, but I think we have a more harmonious relationship now. Um, I think I'm able to, because I, I grew up with all of this kind of like angry way of addressing people, um, I wasn't as vigilant about how I was speaking to him, and I've been able to clean that up quite a lot. You know, I ask him, <laughs> you, know, you notice any changes? He's like, Oh, yeah, you're a lot easier to live with now. <laughs> um, you're, you're, you know, he, so he's confirming that, you know, you're better. <laughs> and uh, I think it worked. Um, I've always, been able to be professional at work, but I think that it, it's allowed me to understand better dynamics around me and think more carefully about how to respond to them. Okay. We've had some dialogue about that as well in the personal guidance sessions, right? So that's been really helpful to, to be able to step back and think like, OK, what's the right thing to say? To who should I say it? When should I say it? Right? What would be the outcome if I say this or say that instead of just responding immediately? It's kind of Nick, what you were talking about reminded me of that too. You know, learn to just wait a little bit and, you know, make, be more careful about what how you're talking to people. Mm-hmm.
1: And what's been the most difficult so far and how did you overcome or have you even overcome those difficulties yet?
4: Oh, I think I'm going to be working on this ill will and like conceit and arrogance and the anger for a long time. You know, it's diminishing, I think, and it's, I don't know when it'll go away. <laughs> right? But it, it that, That's been my big challenge, I think. That and um, my love of eating too much. <laughs> so <laughs> that's getting better too.
1: What do you do when you notice the ill will or the conceit arising?
4: Well, one thing that's really helpful for me is I think about how I feel during the loving-kindness meditation. You know, when when I'm feeling this sort of, you know, do no harm, may may all people be well, may all be peaceful. that really helps me to just bring that into my mind before I think or say or react or do anything else. Right. That and the factors of you know wholesome well, speech, thinking about that before I react to people. Okay. Right? But, yeah, but to be able to just bring up the like kind of feeling of like, let's have compassion. Let's love.
1: Let's, okay
4: let that guide everything that happens
1: very nice well it's nice to hear that you're making progress so readily and in, in early on like this
4: thank you <laughs> thank you for everything
1: yeah. you're welcome
2: well it seems that one more benefit that motivates one to practice these teachings is seeing that the teachings works for most likely anyone and everyone in any place. (laughs) It makes people's life uh, better and better. And this is, I think, for uh, some people is maybe their number one goal in life to see others uh, uh, living a better life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if we're willing to do the work, we'll experience the results. And this is one of the things that we do in the unenlightened state is we think that everyone else is the problem. You know, back to what Nick was talking about with right view, is that when we have wrong view, we think everyone else is the problem. And we try to fix everyone else and our life doesn't get any better. And we just get madder and madder and more angry because we're just trying to fix everyone else thinking everyone else is the problem. But when we have that breakthrough and and we get to right view and we realize that all the problems are in our own mind, then we can focus on the real problem. And that's where we start seeing the real benefits and the real improvements. Um, It's quite amazing how that works.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, uh, being working with students, I think this is something uh, uh, common between uh, Jen and I. Uh, So I um, am curious to ask her if she have noticed any improvements in her students, I mean, the progress she has made in her life. Do you think this also had a positive impact on your students?
4: I do, Vassam. I'll I'll tell you, um, you know, I have a son. He's 32 now. Um, Having a child of my own helped me be a a better teacher because I, I learned to teach as if every child was my child. My child had a lot of issues, problems, and so I could see in every child that I teach my own son, right? Or parents, I can see myself. But I think I work now with college students, adults. Um, I've become more tolerant, uh, more... um, I like to think just more understanding it's common in um, colleges for the faculty to complain about things. And the same things come up over and over again. You know, oh, I worked so hard to prepare these lessons and the students aren't using them, right? Or the students aren't sending their work in on time, or, you know. Um, but I think it helped me to be a better listener and really listen and pay attention to what what's going on with students, especially in the past few years where there's COVID and parent died, a family member died, a brother died, a sister died. Um, and then under, really understand, become more understanding of the situations that our students are living through. Um, I, I think when I was younger, maybe I would have been more callous about that and thought about me myself and how I was being inconvenienced before I thought about the students. But I think it's flipped. And now I am I think about them first. So I, I think, yes, it's definitely
2: helped. I, I'm curious, what about you? Mm, you yes. Thing?
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can see this. Uh, a, a, uh, when people, when students have a, an angry and stressed and anxious teacher, uh, most likely, they learn this. They imitate or mimic their teacher, which mm-hmm. will have also a negative impact on their behavior and maybe their behavior outside of school. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the opposite will happen when a teacher is practicing these teachings. So, uh, I'm not sure if teacher, yeah, I think teacher David shared this with me before that it works like rings. Mm-hmm. So, it's not only the practitioner who get the benefits, but also the people around uh, the practitioner also uh, can can see and observe and experience uh, um, some improvements in their life.
4: You made me realize just now um, my students come to me and tell me things that they don't tell their other instructors. They confide in me and feel that they trust that things will be well when we talk
2: yeah thanks for sharing that uh, Jen. Right.
4: you as well thank you
2: Well, seems that uh, Tosha has your hand raised? let's go to hear.
6: hello everyone as everyone doing today i am normally never on zoom i'm normally on facebook or on uh, youtube but uh, Bassem i heard you talking you're like ah oh, i was shy and i didn't want to talk and, and i was like yeah let me I was like, okay, I'm normally on uh, YouTube and zoom and I might drop a question here or there. But I'm normally a person that likes to be in the background and never I hate the foreground. Um, but I uh, wanted to say that I started learning about a year and a half ago, probably almost two years now with um, with David. And David, I say this with the utmost respect, because it has nothing to do with you. It's all about how I was raised in America, and being an um, African-American woman in America. And I, I saw your videos for a really long time, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to study with him. First of all, he's a man. Second of all, he's white, and he could, there's no way he can relate to how I'm feeling and... Um, what i want to practice so i'm just not gonna give him a chance so i went ahead and i struggled (laughs) through trying to figure out how to do this practice by myself for about a year with no progress and i was like this is just this is not working (laughs) i really don't understand what i'm supposed to be doing here how often i'm supposed to be meditating what i'm supposed to be reading And none of it made sense, just all was just a mixture of space and time. And I was like, this makes no sense. So I said, you know what? The starting of the session was coming up, what you're doing now. I was like, okay, I'll just drop in a class and see. But I think I sent you a message first to ask about who you are as a teacher, David, because I was still very skeptical. and I was like okay let me um ask him who he is and you sent me the video of uh you telling him about the teacher and I was like okay he, he seems okay let me let me try it and then I tried it and I think I made my first uh, appointment with you and I was like okay he seems like a nice guy he seems like I'm learning some stuff and uh i'm still skeptical but i'm I'm gonna go ahead and keep keep going and i have and i've definitely ran into some uh, pitfalls and uh <laughs> some difficulties and um, i'm always texting or asking for guidance and it was just a great lesson in how very polluted my mind was about like not giving people the opportunity to help, even if they don't look like you or they don't have the representation that you would like them to.
1: All right, Tricia. So, you um, <laughs> is is that everything? Did you have more to share?
6: I don't know. I I guess that's everything. I'm 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 pretty quick.
1: Okay. So <laughs> Tricia has shared this with me multiple times. So uh, I've heard this from her before. So. That's nice that you're sharing it publicly now that you had these, these judgments, right? This, was, this is conceit. This is arrogance. This is judging other people. And you broke through that and experienced the results of having done so. Are you noticing that now that you've had this experience where you gradually eliminated judgment of me that you're now doing that less in other parts of your life?
6: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I would say before uh, practicing with you, I would not say that I was a judgmental person. I wouldn't have thought of myself in that light. I would have thought of myself as I'm a, an amazing person.
1: That's the <laughs> Very
5: sensitive.
6: <laughs> very sensitive to others' feelings, but I was not I was extremely judgmental. And uh, you know, working with you and learning uh, the Buddha's teachings have really put a mirror up to myself where I had to be very honest. And I had to look in that mirror and say, "Ah, you've got a lot going on, and you need to really um, fix that. So I work really hard. Anytime I feel myself even starting to react to something that someone else is doing, I
1: immediately try to pull my mind back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can think I can share this, Tricia, is that probably the first eight months to twelve months, Tricia was learning one-on-one. It was just her scheduling Zoom appointments and her and I talking, and then probably in the last six months to a year, she's starting to. You know, be involved in these group learning programs. So that's like a step forward for you. And now coming into Zoom, this is another step forward for you, right?
6: Yes, definitely. I normally, I'm like I said, I like to just watch on YouTube or uh, Facebook when it's live, and I'll just you know watch. Maybe I have a question. I'll just drop a question in. But I'm not. I'm not a big person that likes to get on Zoom and be involved in that way.
1: So what are some things that you would share with somebody who's just starting out on the path?
6: Uh, Patience is a virtue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) To be very, very patient um, with this process. Uh, David is absolutely right when he said that, you know, some people get really tied up in trying to get to this enlightenment thing uh, when you first start out and you're like, oh, I'm not getting there. What's the problem? I'm doing this thing and I'm not getting there because I was definitely one of those people. Nick is also very right about uh, finding these teachings and when I shout it from the rooftop, ah, come on, everybody, come on with me, this is amazing. And then when nobody wants to come, you're like, that's your problem, see, you missed it out. And then you get really tied up in these two things when you should really just be focusing on yourself. Um, so that's the the biggest thing I, I would want to share with people that are just starting out is to learn to just focus on your own practice and that everything in time.
1: Very well. And what's been the most difficult for you so far?
6: Um, I would say the most difficult is definitely focusing on my own practice because um, I'm a Uh, people person and my profession is also I'm a social worker so I'm always involved in people's lives in a way that I try to help them uh, fix it right so me just trying to focus on just my own thing is very difficult because I want to be able to like fix the thing whatever it is I want to, you know, oh, I can fix it. Oh, you need to go do this and it'll fix it. So that has been one of my biggest challenges is to just stay focused on my own practice and realizing that I can't fix people. You know, I just, I can't.
1: Have you had any aha moments where things just seemed to really click and, uh, you know, it really helped you to see more clearly to move, how to move forward or certain aspects of your life, of things that just clicked for you that were real aha moments.
6: Uh-huh. Yes, I would say definitely with my, um, meditation that meditation actually does work. Um, I used to think way before you, David, and way before this practice, that everybody that meditate, I was like, what do they do? Why would you just sit in one, in one place for however long and just sit there with their eyes closed? I was like, that is so ridiculous. I don't see anyone can benefit from doing anything like that. And then when I started doing it and doing it consistently, I was like, oh, wow, this actually works. This is brilliant. I enjoy it. And Um, it's actually made so much improvement in my life, especially when, um, I'm getting frustrated, I can remember to breathe and relax, and then I can proceed. And that's all from my meditation practice because it slows, you know, the mind down.
1: Have you ever had any time since you started learning that you felt like you wanted to give up? And if so, what did you do to overcome that?
6: I have had many times that <laughs> me. <come together. laughs> I, <mean, laughs> I, um, I would definitely say yes. I've gotten to a place where I was just like, This is just not working. What am I doing? I feel ridiculous. But uh, my wife, you know, and she doesn't practice. So <clears throat> every time i feel myself going you know what this is just not working for me i'm just not getting to that enlightenment thing that david keeps talking about and i'm just i'm just gonna stop i cannot be bothered uh my wife would step in and say don't you dare you're doing so good don't you stop you're doing so well and i'm like well if she's seeing the improvement then i must be doing something right and i would uh Continue. So also talking with you, David, sometimes I would get really you know, frustrated and um, want to just stop. And I either schedule an appointment with you and you'll say something that will help me to continue.
1: Yeah, I think one of the lines I said is, what are you going to do? Go back to being angry? <laughs>
6: <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's no fun. I guess I'll continue.
1: Yeah, very good. All right, does anyone have any question for Tricia?
2: Yes, teacher. <clears throat> well, uh, Tricia, uh, first of all, um, my apologies. I think I many times pronounced your name as Tricia, not Tricia. So if this bothered you, I'm sorry. I, um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, as, as it goes to my name,
6: I used to get really bothered because people used to not say my name correctly. At this point in my practice, it doesn't matter. I'm not attached to it anymore.
2: Great, one more benefit of the teachings. (laughs) See? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, so my question now is um, uh, at the moment when you realized that uh, you are not able to change others, that it's not the way things happen, was it easy for you? I mean, was it like in a snap of a finger and you just got the wisdom and realized that, okay, from now on, I'm not going to try or attempt to change others? Or you, you had to do to apply effort to keep the mind content while seeing others, maybe causing themselves some discontentedness. but uh, we are not able to change others or to force others to improve their lives.
6: I really wish it was a snap of the finger, but absolutely not a snap. I mean, I still struggle with it now because, you know, I'm not enlightened, but I still struggle with it now, but I do much better at um, saying, you know, if that, if that is gonna make you feel happy and well, then that's what you need to do for yourself. And um, just try my very best not to be discontent with whatever somebody chooses for themselves. So it's it's still a struggle, especially with um, family members, because I'm still attached to them. Right. And um, but it's easier. It's not as it was when I wasn't practicing where, you know, I would say something or give them some piece of advice and they do the total opposite. And then they'll come back to me and they'll say well i didn't buy those shoes you told me to buy and now my toe hurts and i'm like see see i told you about that I, you should have done what i said and i look at your toe right now it's just like well you know you tried the other shoe you can maybe try some other shoes and see whichever works for you and try not to be attached to whatever their decision is
2: yeah i see thanks for this <laughs> you're welcome well, I, uh, I'm not sure if Marcy I, lowered her hand or... Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, I'm seeing some question, teacher, on um, Facebook, I think. If there is no one, m- no more one is interested to uh, share their experience with the teachings.
1: Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Do whatever you'd like to do, Basim.
2: Okay, so let's go make it.
3: Thank you, Basim. As teacher, as Basum was uh, informing you, and it was actually Tracia, she had a question on Facebook. It's, um, besides the things she shared, this is a generic question, if that's okay? Sure. She asks, when I started practicing, I encountered a lot of the teachings that were reworded for modern day, i.e. language, Can the Buddha's teachings be reworded for modern day and still have the same impact? Example, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path.
1: Yeah, so what I've done in terms of the teachings is the Four Noble Truths, I share what the Buddha's teachings are on the Four Noble Truths. I put his words in the book so that you can see what did he teach on the Four Noble Truths. But then in the very first book in volume one, I have come up with a way that explains the Four Noble Truths in a very basic way to help a student get to establishing right view very early on. Because the way that I see the Buddhist words on the Four Noble Truths is it takes a student a while of sinking in to understand those today is more, you know, kind of three months, six months, a year down the road of your path, where today, the way that I've worded them, it helps you to get it right away, or at least in a matter of, of weeks rather than months. So I don't see the Four Noble Truths that I share as being a rewording of the words of the Buddha, but instead a summarization in a way that helps a student establish right view more readily. And then after they practice for a while, then ultimately they're going to have to understand the Four Noble Truths in the way that the Buddha explained it, because they wouldn't be able to get to enlightenment without understanding the Four Noble Truths in the way that the Buddha explained it. But at least the way that I explain it, it gets somebody started and moving in the right direction, establishing right view. The Eightfold Path, I haven't reworded that because the Buddha explains it perfectly well, but what I do is I help people to understand what he's sharing. So like For example, when he talks about right mindfulness and he talks about body as body, feelings as feelings, mind as mind, mental objects as mental objects, people don't usually know what that means and what it refers to. So he explained it the way he explained it and his discourse on the Eightfold Path would have been his discourse on the Eightfold Path and then he would have been helping students on the side, and he would have been having other teachings to help people understand what it is that he was teaching. So we've got these formal discourses that he shared, but then, you know, just like me, he would have had private discussions with students. He would have talked with two or three students here or there outside of a real formal discourse, and that's where he helped people to more deeply understand what it was that he was sharing in his formal discourses. So I'm not interested in rewording the Buddhist teachings at all. He said it in my view perfectly well, perfectly correct. Instead, what I'm doing is looking for those best words in terms of the translations and finding the absolute best word choices that explain what it is that he was talking about. And in a rare situation like the Four Noble Truths, explaining it in a way that somebody can get it right away. But for me, I look at the words of the Buddha as being perfect just the way they are. And the more deeply that we understand what he was actually sharing during his lifetime, that's where you can really get it. And the light bulbs really start going off once you start learning what he actually taught. And the interesting thing is, is that When you first start learning his teachings, it's kind of like, whoa, you're kind of trying to wrap your mind around it because you haven't really maybe read and understood the way this Buddha spoke. But then, within a few months of actually reading his teachings more and more and having somebody like me help you to understand them, eventually you get to the point where you can read what he talked about and what he said, and it makes complete sense to you. So, in this book series of 13 books, You know, you read the first book that I wrote. It's like, okay, David explains it using the words of the Buddha in some cases, but it's a lot of David's words. But by the time you get to volume two, it's like, oh, okay, now this is the Buddha's words. And then you kind of read that and then you kind of are like, all right, I'm kind of getting familiar with this. And then you start reading volume three and somewhere between volume three and you get into volume four, it's almost like a best friend. It's almost like you get used to hearing this person talk in the way that they talk, the way they communicate. The way they express themselves. And by the time you get into volume five and the others, it's like, oh, okay, I understand how he talks now. You kind of get the rhythm of how he talks. So I'm not interested in changing his words or modifying them or updating them or anything like that, but instead ensuring that what I share that I consider to be the words of the Buddha have the most accurate word choices that can help you to understand what it is that he was saying. And then that way you can really penetrate into his teachings and understand what it is that he was communicating so that then you can practice those teachings and experience the results.
3: Thank you, Teacher David. Claire, also on Facebook, um, she has something to share. She writes, The Buddha's teachings have helped me greatly. I used to blame a lot of people for my unhappiness. I was living in the past and feeling hurt and victimized all the time. Once I learned and accepted that my own decisions and choices were causing my discontentment, my life has changed for the better. I started studying the the Buddha and watching your program every Sunday, and I can't tell you how much happier I am today. I used to jump to conclusions, get upset, Easily and suffered from depression. Since I started on the path, I feel like a new person. And then she goes on to explain some of the Bara me. This is my mother. She lives in the same complex as me. Um, she goes on to say uh, one of the things I mentioned there the Bara me. Um, she saw the benefits in my life, and uh, so she started her own path.
1: All right, thank you for sharing, Claire. That's very nice that you and your son can both be learning and practicing. And you've got somebody that's really deeply committed to learning and practicing that's close to you. Uh, that's Nick, so you always have the ability to reach out to him and get advice, and me as well. So feel free to to reach out. And perhaps when I come to the US this summer, I'll be able to get a chance to meet you as well.
3: Thank you, Teacher David. Um, at the bottom of her comment, she writes, uh, I look forward to meeting all of you at the retreat. So she'll be at the retreat.
1: Oh, wonderful. We get a chance to meet her there. Yes, sir. All right. Who else?
2: Yes, uh, Marcy is ready to share her experience. That's good to hear.
7: Thank you, Boss. thank you, David. Um, I'm not quite sure. I debated about sharing because I feel like I have so much, but. Um, One of the things that teacher David was talking about, about the word usage. So um, real short, I grew up in a very traumatic childhood. Um, I had been on all kinds of medications since my early 20s, you know, lithium, depression, bipolar, you name it, I had it. Um, But in 2018, um, something really devastational happened in my life and I started the search because I didn't want, I had already tried to take my life three different times and I just didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. So I took on um, this search to find a better way of life. And um, I was first introduced into the Tibetan uh, religion. And I started studying the Long Rim. And in the Long Rim, it uses Dukkha's translation as suffering. And for me, for someone that lived in this world of Blaming everybody else, very victimized, you know, the poor me, um, a lot of ill will, anger and stuff. That suffering um, seemed to really, I really connected with, like I had all this suffering. But even with that practice for, you know, I would say probably a good, maybe almost a year of it, I realized that, you know, the rites, the rituals and stuff was still very cloudy, Um, you know, the meditation I was feeling um, some relief with meditation, but I wasn't getting clarity and I was still struggling and I was still on all these medications. And then I became homebound and locked in my house and I couldn't go out anywhere and I couldn't be around people and noises were sensitive and, and I was suffering from all of this stuff. So I did search and I searched for the words, the Pali Canon, because in this investigation, it, I was led to Buddha's words, were taken from the poly canon. And that's what brought me to teacher David. And when he opened the door to taking the word dukkha and expanding it to discontentedness, and it broadened it to a whole realm of pleasant feelings, because with that whole diagnosis of bipolar, you experience these really, really, really highs in euphoria. And then you have these really crashing depressions, which the suffering identified, but didn't really take care of those highs. So when he introduced discontentedness to me and the understanding of that, I, I felt as though I blossomed. I felt as though I found like a peace within me where I was able to take all of these variations of feelings and emotions that were all over the place and bring them right to the middle. And um, so that's what I wanted to share is the word of discontentedness really opened the door for me to be where I am now. And had any of you met me prior, I was a very vulgar, um, very offensive, judgmental, played the victim role um, on all kinds of medications, uh, doing drugs, all kinds of stuff. And now in my daily life, we're here in what, 2002, and I think I came into seeing Teacher David the end of um, 20. Yeah, I think it would have been, was it the end of 20? Might have been the end of 2020. Um, now I go in and people come to me, the bar of me. I have experienced that. And I am now considered a Ray of Sunshine at work. And even that I'm actually at work and I'm back at work and I'm involved with people and I'm speaking with people and I practice, you know, right speech, right effort, right intention. And the other thing is, is I would say to anybody that is on this journey, you've just got to be diligent, be diligent, give yourself the opportunity to learn the teachings, practice the meditation, Don't, don't give up. And teacher David is amazing. His, his one-on-one sessions, you know, you just reach out to him. And I like it because I've never had really any, I've been in therapy. I can't tell you how many years I've been in therapy, but I've never had anybody been Frank. Like, so Marcy, you're seeing that what you're, you're having right now is discontentedness, right? This is your attachment to either your dog or whatever. And that frankness was, was great. And it was, it was not, It was in a loving, kind way. So that is what I want to share. Thank you so much, Teacher David. And thank you all as well.
1: Would you be interested to share with us some advice for people that are just getting started in addition to what you've already said about diligence? Do you have any other suggestions of what people should be thinking about and some maybe early obstacles that you encountered that you overcome and how you overcame those?
7: i would say that um gaining the right view understanding and losing that victim role or that blame role or that you know pointing the finger or looking to the outside is really important because once you can realize that just because whatever happens on the outside doesn't mean that that's how you should be reacting and i guess that's a good thing is i was never Responsive to anything, I was always very reactive to things. But once I turned that right view and saw that I have the control over my discontented mind, not this person who's driving, you know, erratically or in Boston. I I laughed at that because I'm in Rhode Island, so I know. But like, you know, I start to I started to see things that like before I'd have a hair trigger on, and I'd be like, Oh, I'm ready to go. Like I was gonna throw down gloves and we were gonna brawl it right here um now I look at it and I see and I'm like I kind of giggle at myself like you know Marcy you must look like such a maniac out in the middle of the street screaming at these people ready to throw down and now it's just kind of like you know they're obviously suffering from some kind of discontentedness and I wish them you know you know I hope your day gets better and I let it go so right view and then the other thing with me was right speech um again I used to be very aggressive in my language with people and my way was the highway and I knew it all and you know this is how it is and I've been through so much so you can't tell me and I was just you know very very and I realized the moment I really started practicing right speech and that in the moral conduct I noticed that the people around me the family around me just it was like it just, it just changed. It just changed. It just, it was such. And like I said, now I get called the ray of sunshine. I was never a ray of sunshine. Let me tell you in my yeah. early life, it was not something that was identified as me. So I would say that, you know, right view important and then right speech. Cause I feel like speech is so a lot of people feel they have the free will to say whatever they want to whoever they want, however they want. And That's to me, I've learned that that's just not practicing correctly. That's not right. So right view, right speech and be very diligent and give yourself patience and time to practice meditation. I mean, I was doing like a five minute meditation. I thought like I had just, you know, did an hour. It wasn't even an hour, five minutes, you know what I mean? So it was just keep trying, keep trying, you know, and I would, you know, do five. And I get up and I'm like, ah, oh, that wasn't long enough, Marcy. You gotta have effort. You gotta have diligence. I'd go do something, whether it would take my dog for a walk or whatever. And then I come back and I I'd try it again and I try it again. And there were times that I was like trying to meditate and, and no, and, and probably 10 to 15 times a day just to try it again, <laughs> you know, like five or 10 minutes in because my mind was so like, Ooh! but But um, yes, those would, that would be my recommendation. That would be my recommendation for.
1: And based on what you know now, what are the next things that you need to be working on?
7: Um, Now I am working on being, you know, the shout it from the rooftop, like, hey, everybody, like, if you really want to be free from your unhappiness, you know, this is where you need to be. So I'm kind of trying to work on that and draw some, so draw some more of just in and not try to Tell everybody, you know, I I feel very uh, wanting to to push that, but also just slow it down, slow it down. I, I just, I'm not in a race. There's not a rush for anything. Take it moment by moment, in the present moment. Enjoy what's in front of me, um, and not worry about past or worry about the future. Just really be present. That's where I'm really working
1: okay very good thank you for sharing marcy you're a ray oh. of sunshine huh <laughs> <laughs> those are some very nice words to hear at work i bet all right who's next did we lose bossom
3: let's go to Denise, teacher david she has her hand raised
1: sure
5: unmute okay and video ah. For some reason, it's not doing it.
1: permanence. <laughs> okay. There so, you go.
5: <laughs> yes. So, um, for me, um, yeah, I was curious about um, when I first started on the journey. Is um, I was curious. I was raised Christian, so um, I nothing Buddhism, nothing anything else. So. Um, I got I saw a book and I, I was very curious about it um, and so I decided that I, I'm still more curious so I and I started to find out and I started off with um, Tibetan Buddhism um, that's you know where my start and all the rituals and and everything and I would do the um the rituals and and the you know all the the taras and and the chanting and everything in the altar and and i would meditate too but i really was still struggling i think that's the thing i was still struggling to with the feelings of craving the anger um, just not feeling like i belong just just a whole bunch of stuff my mind was just always racing And, um, so I, I could not tell you really how I happened upon, um, the, your Facebook group, the, um, the walking, the Buddhist walking, Ah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. the uh, walking with the Buddhist on the Buddhist path. I, I do not know. I just did. And, um, I'm like, okay, let me see. Let me give it a try. And, um, yeah, so I still struggle. Um, cause you know, I, I still struggle, but the thing is, I don't stay there. I mean, I notice. Oh, okay. You're feeling discontent. Okay. Why? Okay. Um, you, you know, instead of worrying about if I go to the store, cause that was a big thing for me, it's like just going to the store and being around a lot of people and like, Oh, are they thinking this way about me or that? And it's like, no focus, you know? Keep stay, you know, stay with you know, even though it makes you feel uncomfortable, be that be present, and yeah, I'm getting better on that, so I'm getting more um, um, content to where whatever situation it is.
1: What's your meditation practice like now, Denise?
5: Oh, it's getting better, <laughs> um. I'm trying, um, I got to two two sessions, I'm working on, sometimes I can get to three, Um, not as long as I need to. Um, I'm having to, I'm thinking, oh, it's been a long, I'm I'm spending a long, I did 30 minutes and uh, I realized no. So I have had to have like a timer um, because I think it's longer and it's not. And then I realized no, and, and I really need it just for now. I mean, it's, it's a, um, so to keep me honest, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I do think, oh, wow, you know, and I, I want to go do something else. It's like, oh, this needs to be done. And it's like, no, sit down, stay there, even though sometimes it, it can be like my mind is racing here and racing there, and, I, and I'm like, ah, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. I stay. I keep myself on the cushion. And I do notice that for me, um, how I react to people um, now is different because I don't have that feeling like, oh, I've got to right. Oh, I've got to be, you know, I've got to um, tell them this. And oh, you know, even for myself, it's like, oh, it's their fault. It's their no, no, no. It's, it's how I react to things and how I, it, you know, it's what I bring to the table. So I'm able to like, okay. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm not, I wasn't, it wasn't correct speech, you know, so. And also attachment. Um, We've talked about this, Teacher David, is me and my cats and um, attachment. And I, Sunday night, um, there was a lost cat and uh, I took it in. And um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to, you know, I'm finding the home for this cat. Because, and I, I searched everywhere. I had to do, I put up flyers in places that I wouldn't have ever thought that I could go. I mean, I just didn't feel comfortable. It's just around the corner, but I just didn't feel like, what do these people think? You know, whatever. I didn't even think about that. I'm like, this is something that needs to be done. It's the right thing is to find this cat's owners. It's the right thing to do. So, um, and I put up flyers, and I, you know, discovered a whole bunch of internet things. And um, so the people found, um, and I got attached to this animal. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I was really attached. So I was going to keep it, and then I'm like, no, it's not the right thing. Try harder. And then I found um, the parent, the um, cat parents called me, and they said, we think you, ha- we have your, you have our animal, and I'm like okay, well, prove it to me, do this, you know? And then I'm like, that's not right. The right thing is they have a picture, they show the animal, I mean, and, and, it's, and I told them to come over. So they got the animal and it, it was discontinued because I had gotten attached and I'm like, wow, I've been practicing not attachment with my own animals and here I am still attached. So, and we talked about it. So I, I do, that's the area that I have to work on more is uh, uh, not only attachment to other people, but just attachment to mostly to my, to my animals or to any animals. So, but I was able to recognize what I wouldn't have recognized that.
0: Before. Yeah.
1: Learning how to love without attachment is so key. Learning how to have a relationship but not be attached to the, the being, whether it's an animal or a human. That's very challenging for the mind. But with practice, I'm sure you'll get it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it was nice to to be able to say, OK, do the right thing. I mean, because I want to clean. I want mm-hmm. to say, oh, I'm keeping him, you know, even. And then it's like, but no, it wouldn't have been the right thing. And it wouldn't have, you know, so I was even even the feeling the discontentment of it, let let it go. And, you know, that's, you know, was, was new. I mean, not so much new, but it was to, to understand, okay, you're feeling discontent instead of just saying, you know, oh, what, you know, you shouldn't be feeling this. It was discontentment. It's workable. You know, I mean, I can, Mm -hmm. it's something I can work through. I can give myself some chance, give myself some space, breathe through it work through it It, it's not gonna you know everything's emotion and everything or the discontentment the craving it's not gonna it's evaporate like you know it's something that i have to constantly work on constantly work on but you
1: know
5: that's that's where it is
1: good for you denise sounds like you made (laughs) some really good decisions there
5: thank you dave thank you teacher david
1: (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome does anybody have any questions for denise all right, looks like uh, <laughs> looks like we lost Bossum, but Nick's still around. So, oh, uh, Marcy's got her hand up. Was that for Denise? Yep. Okay.
7: So uh, Denise, and and um, it's, it's actually kind of not even a question, but I actually when you when you spoke of the ceremonies and stuff like that, it's just it's refreshing because I went that same path. I really dove mm-hmm. into the Tibetan tradition and the limra and the ceremonies. And I felt that Mm -hmm. same cloudiness. Um, But the question I do have for you is, when was it where you actually felt when you transitioned to Teacher David's teachings that you felt like that lift off of you? Was it like when you really started in with the meditation or was it like just within like the first classes of listening?
5: Well, for for me, you know, really it was... um during um well the COVID but during the Black Lives Matter thing, I reached out to my former teacher and I'm like, I'm having problems understanding because you know it's so much emotion. I mean, I'm an African American woman and I'm feeling so much emotion on what should I do, you know, what's you know, and um confusion. And I reached out to my teacher and I never got an answer, you know, because I know you know attachment, but I felt like I like did, just give me an answer because I don't know what's going on with me with society what's going on I don't know how to process it. And then I like I said I um had stumbled on, you know, Teacher Davis um Facebook, I mean um Facebook thing and I said, "Oh, okay." Um and the YouTube and I was like, "Okay, let's see." And and he addressed different things. And, and, and he's, and, you know, he always said, Oh, well, you know, you can reach out and I'm like, okay, this is scary, but, and I don't know this person, but I'm going to, I'm going to reach out. And, um, he wasn't, a, you, you don't, um, you know, he talked about the Buddhist teaching that Buddha, everything that we go through, no matter how long it's been, the Buddha encountered, he, you know, he dealt with. So, it was, he was able to, um, to explain to me, and I was able to see that, okay, I'm, it's not, it's, how do I say? It's whatever I'm encountering, it's not something that, that the Buddha didn't encounter. It's not something that others, beings don't encounter. So I'm able to, to sit with it and, and, and work with it and you know it's not an instantaneous thing but it's a it's a constant work it's a constant but it's like oh okay i see if i don't see it now i see it you know it it does appear so i'm like okay okay it's it's nothing new you know so i guess that's for me that was it you know it's like okay he explained it he had time he it wasn't, you know, okay, do the Taurus you know, uh do this, you know, ceremony, do this and I was doing all the ceremonies and I was doing all the chants and I was doing, you know, I mean, prayer, you know, just sit there and do the prayers and the chanting and for long life and all that. And also to um the the bodestaff about, I mean, I'm sitting there going like, okay, well enlighten- and it never dawned on me, enlightenment. You know, I want every everybody to be, um, not enlightened, but in, um, yeah, to be enlightened first before and then I'll wait and wait. But it's like, uh, maybe not everybody chooses to be enlightened. Maybe people, you know, for whatever reason. And um, so why am I sitting there going like, okay, I'm going to hold the door open for you. I'm not going to go through, but I'm going to hold the door. Hopefully you'll go through. But if you don't, then um, I'll just wait, 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 and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, you know. Yeah. It did, it not Some of the rituals and stuff it didn't make any sense. So after you know, I was talking to to Teacher David. I'm like, yeah, I never thought about that. Why am I, you know, <laughs> if I something I haven't experienced myself, why am I tr- trying to let everybody else do it? And I haven't even experienced myself, so yeah, yeah. If that Thank makes you. sense. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're <Yeah>. welcome. <laughs>
1: And using your analogy, Denise, if everyone's holding the door, who's going to walk through it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good analogy, right?
5: So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Teacher, because I had never even, it never even, you know, crossed my mind to ask, like, okay, well, uh yeah, like the long life thing. It's like, okay, then why isn't everyone who's been, you know, why aren't they been for thousands of years still alive and why am I, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. All right. Thank so that was it. It's just uh, the question is like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so it, it doesn't make sense. Thanks. So.
1: Thank you for sharing, Denise. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Thank you, Denise. Thank you. David, we have a couple comments on YouTube. Um, what would you say to someone that just comes out with this? I'm suffering and I can't take it anymore. What advice would you have for a person like that?
1: Well, if somebody's having suffering, it means that there's attachment there. There's craving, desire, attachment. The mind isn't practicing. It doesn't understand what's causing the suffering. So, It's very difficult to eliminate the suffering if you don't understand what's causing it. So you've got to start from the beginning. You know, this book is the beginning, Volume 1, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. And even if this is your first time coming into our group learning program next week on Sunday, we're starting with Chapter 3, and this is where things really get started. Even though we've had a bunch of classes, those were just really classes that were overviews in order to kind of help people see the path as a whole. But now, starting next week, we're really going to start moving into the heart of the book with chapter three, four, five, you know, 6, 7, continuing on. So I would say download this book you know, or get a printed copy. Uh, start reading it. Read all the way up to chapter 3. And start joining us for classes regularly every week on Sundays for sure. And if you can join on Wednesdays as well. And gradually, slowly but surely, start trickling these teachings into the mind and start developing your life practice. This book is going to walk you through how to develop your life practice. This group learning program is going to walk you through how to develop your life practice. If you do the work to understand these teachings and practice them, as the Buddha shared them and as I'm sharing them, you'll experience the results.
3: Thank you, Teacher David. There's a question from Tanka on YouTube. They ask, how non-duality relates to this
0: teaching?
1: You know, people use this word non-duality or duality. I'm not exactly sure how they're using the word because different people use it in different ways. And the Buddha never used this word. I'm not 100% sure of what people mean by this word. Nick, if you have a definition for the word, I can respond based on your definition. Or if this person would like to put their definition of what that means. But because the Buddha never used this word, and it's something that people are starting to use nowadays, I'm not 100% sure what people mean by that.
3: Teacher David, uh, I've seen people use that as well. I don't have a definition of mount.
1: Okay, so if that person could maybe share their definition and then we can update the question from there if we still have time in the class, I'd be pleased to answer the question. Or if you're still listening, you can contact me privately and we can talk about it through private message as well.
3: Thank you, Teacher David. I also went ahead and uh, put your one-on-one personal scheduling, uh, the links to it in Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Zoom
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah, so if that person is still with us and you would like to get an answer to that question, feel free to reach out to me privately and we can talk. Any other questions or anybody else that would like to share their thoughts on why they chose to study Gautama Buddha's teachings?
3: Not seeing any other questions, Teacher David. Looks oh. like that's all we have for today.
1: All right. Well, thank you all for sharing. Thank you guys for being brave to to come from YouTube and Facebook and log into Zoom. This is helpful to you. Uh, It's helping you to break through that shyness or that fear or whatever is holding you back. Not that everyone has to be in Zoom. That's why we have all these different methods of learning, Zoom, Facebook, YouTube, the podcast. We also stream to places like Periscope and Twitch and things like this. So there's always ways that you can learn, but coming into Zoom like this and if you're fearful of that and you're feeling apprehensive about that, doing that occasionally can help you break through that because what the unenlightened mind wants to do is have aversion and push that away. So if you confront it and log in occasionally to a place where you are apprehensive about logging into, that can help you break through any kind of shyness or any kind of fear or anything like that. So next week on Sunday, we're going to be in chapter three, which is titled Enlightenment. What is Enlightenment? The reason why this chapter is at the beginning of the book is that if you're going to take a journey from point A to point B, you need to know what point B is. If you're going to go from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco, or if you're going to go from Cairo to Luxor, or you're going to go from Bangkok to Chiang Mai or any of these different cities, You're going to be interested to know what is that city that you're potentially going to travel to Uh, What's it like there? What are the parks? What are the streets to get there? Uh, What's it going to be like when I get there? How will I know when I got there? These kind of things are really important. So this journey to enlightenment, I felt it was really important to have one of the beginning chapters, chapter three, to explain what enlightenment is. So you have a very clear picture of what enlightenment is, because then if you're Where you're at now in the unenlightened state, if you know what enlightenment is, then you're more likely to be able to progress to that goal. Whereas if you didn't know what enlightenment was and you just got onto this path and be like, all right, I'm going to try to get to enlightenment. Well, what is that? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) So how could you go from one city to another city if you didn't even know what that other city is? Why, Why would you even be interested to go to that other city? And you wouldn't know that you've gotten to that other city if you didn't know something prior about what that other city was like. So in chapter three, I describe very clearly for you what enlightenment is and all the different aspects of enlightenment how to progress to enlightenment and we're going to be discussing that in our class next sunday so you're welcome to read before and or after class and then on wednesday we're going to be in our second class of our four-part series on loving kindness meditation i'm going to be just reviewing very briefly about what i taught in the previous class about loving kindness meditation so that the students who join us for the first time And those that are joining us again will have a refreshed memory of what loving-kindness meditation is all about. And then we're going to do a loving-kindness meditation session together. And we'll have multiple sessions of that, up to four sessions of loving kindness. And then I'm going to start a four-part series on chanting and help you to understand the chanting. And then by the time we get to the end of that, we'll just be rotating between breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation each week, helping you to build up your practice. In those Wednesday classes, there's a great opportunity to ask any and all questions that you like. On the Sundays, we tend to keep our classes targeted to the topic that we're discussing and any questions related to the topic that we're discussing. But on Wednesday, it's all open to any questions that you might have. So you're welcome to come to those Wednesday's classes to learn meditation, to practice meditation, to ask any and all questions that you like as a result of coming together on Wednesday. So again, thank you all for joining. Thank you all for sharing your thoughts and answering questions and having this discussion it's really nice to have these kind of discussions with you guys and it'll be interesting to do the same thing this summer when we get together for the retreat in Arlington to be able to be in a room with all of you guys and to sit down and have a meal with you guys and walk down the street and go to some of these excursions at the different museums and different things that we're going to be doing together it's going to be really nice to spend time with all of you guys and get to know you in person even more so than I already do from all the online interactions that we have. So thank you all for joining. We'll see you guys in a future class. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadee
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit Wisdom.com.